Thanks for joining us on the Oasis Church Podcast. To find out more about Oasis, visit CelebrateTheJourney.org. During this episode, Pastor Dennis Ritchie shares a great message that will lead you to new and deeper levels with Jesus Christ. So open up a Bible, grab a notebook, or simply listen along. pray this morning that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight, my rock and, and my redeemer. Amen. Amen. So this is the, the maiden voyage of our new live stream set up with cameras in the back on the wall. Um, we're able to live stream now um, soup to nuts from worship all the way to, to the end of the service. And so um, we're, we're praying that even as we, as I'm speaking or as we're going through it, that it actually is doing what it's supposed to do. We'll see later uh, when we go and when we go and check it. So um, we are, we're, we're grateful uh, that the Lord has been able to bless us with, with such things, such technology. So today is the beginning of a, a new series. Um, there's, this, there's this word in the Bible. Uh, it's, it's, in a, it's in the headings usually. And it's, it's called uh, Beatitudes. And uh, the Beatitudes, uh, especially in Matthew's gospel, there, there's eight of these kind of interior postures that Jesus talks about um, as he launches into the Sermon on the Mount, uh, chapters 5, 6, and 7 in, in, in Matthew. And those three chapters are just filled with Jesus teaching yumminess. I mean, there's tons of, 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 of things and lessons, and, and I love the way Jesus balances kind of our interior where our heart is and how that is to manifest out in, um, out in public, how we're, how we're to, to live. Um, and, and, and sometimes when we think of interior postures, when we think of, you know, Jesus said, um, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. So there's these blessings in what's going on on the inside of a a follower of Jesus. And sometimes when we talk about these interior things, uh, we like to keep them just kind of, well, on the inside. It's just a very personal experience. But the Beatitudes, and as they launch into the Sermon on the Mount, these are uh, powerful social and outward manifestations of the life of a Jesus follower. And so what's going on on the inside should be reflected in the way that we are living our lives on the, obviously, on, on the outside. Um, and we know this, this, this idea of them um, being a social statements or manifestations because of the way Jesus kind of sums up the Beatitudes. And, and he sums it up with two different metaphors. Uh, he sums it up with an idea of being salt. And he sums it up with the, the idea of being light. 
And so that's where I want to begin our study. I've already preached through the Beatitudes. I think it was in 2018. And uh, I, I believe that we are to start in uh, chapter 5, but we're going to start in verse 13 with these two metaphors that Jesus sums up the Beatitudes. In verse 13, chapter 5 of Matthew, it says this, You are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Now, anytime that we're, when Jesus is speaking in public, and especially now, this is kind of early in his, in his ministry, we have to take into consideration the people that are listening to him, the people that are talking to him, and are talking, he's talking to. And these are the people that have been marginalized. These are the people who are poor. They're considered, the, the majority of these people are considered to be sinners in the eyes of the religious elites. So much so that uh, the people Jesus is addressing, even here in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, the religious leaders, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, uh, the scribes, they believe that the, the suffering of Israel under Roman occupation is due to the sin of these people. It's, it's not the religious people, the Sadducees, Pharisees. It's not their fault because in their own eyes, they are living the way they're supposed to be living. And it's all of the other people, those people that Jesus is speaking to. That's the reason why Israel is in the state it's in. Those people need to get it together. But Jesus is speaking to them. And, and look, look what he, he, he says, you are the salt of the earth. And he's saying it to these marginalized people. And so I can imagine that they're sitting there going, we're the salt of the earth. Like, we're the kind of the outcasts. We're on the fringe of society. Wouldn't the religious leaders, those that are all dressed in all the garb and, and, and that are uh, working in the temple, wouldn't they be considered the salt of the earth? And Jesus is speaking to the marginalized, just the everyday people. I have a feeling that we would all be there and we wouldn't be part of that religious elite if we lived in the first century. And what he's telling these people is, you are going to have a global impact. Your life and the way that you are going to be living your life is going to have, um, it's going to affect all of humanity. It's going to affect, in fact, the entire world. It seems that right out of the, right out of the gate, Jesus has a, he has a tremendous faith in his followers. And they're, they're really new here. He has this, he, uh, sometimes I think that um, he has more faith in us than we have in ourselves. Because he's telling them that the way you're going to function in life is going to impact stuff and change stuff. And we are members of that group. Our impact can have a global impact that we can push back darkness with the light of Christ that lives in each and every one of us regardless and in spite of our own shortcomings in our own uh, oopses uh, ec economic standing socioeconomic standing has nothing to do with who we are in Christ 
So from the, the poorest of poor to the richest of rich, it's an even playing field in the eyes of Christ and who we are in him. So we have to start to kind of unpack this idea of what does Jesus mean when he said that, that we are the salt of the earth, that his church and, the, and his followers need to be salty. Well, there's a few different things going around, and, and, and I'm, I'm sure that for some, this isn't going to be nothing, uh, anything uh, brand new, but it's good to be reminded of what the scripture teaches And one of the primary things that salt was used for, especially back then, was to preserve food, especially meats. They didn't have any, uh, they didn't have any freezers or refrigerators, kind of like we all experienced this past week. They had no way to make ice, and so what they would do is they would take the meat and they would pour salt over it, and it would preserve the meat. Or sometimes they would take that meat and they would uh, put it in water and salt mixture, and it would keep the meat. It would preserve it. If you look at humanity in, in general, in, in just general terms, and if you look at the world just in, in general terms, things don't get better by themselves. In general, the world and humanity leans towards an idea of um, decay. Things left by themselves will decay, or uh, there's a a, a process of decomposition. Like, like think if, if you put, if you take a section of wooden fence and you paint it, the, the brightest white you can paint it. And then you set that fence up in the middle of the woods. And you come back a year later. It's not going to be brighter. It's not going to look better than it was. In fact, it's probably going to be weathered. We like to call it weathered. Paint would be dull. Possibly rot on the wood from the elements. Or think of, think of people and the process that we go through, we by nature lose. We lose hair. We lose muscle mass. Our, our vision weakens. Our hearing weakens. Eventually, our, this body will run out of life and God calls us home. If you leave a tomato on the vine too long, it doesn't get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and riper and riper and riper and riper. It comes to a point where it begins to rot right on the vine. And so we see in this world that left to itself, it decays and it doesn't get better. The world cannot ever fix itself. And so it's a natural process. Because sin has come in the world. And Jesus understands that. And he understands that. I mean, that's the reason he came, right? He came because God knows that left to ourselves, we're in trouble. And things only are going to get worse. We, as the world, we have no chance at fixing ourselves. Sin runs too deep within us. We cannot behave well enough to be reconciled back to God. And that's why God had sent his son 
Jesus. It's kind of like, like, the, uh, like the germs of darkness are just everywhere, always on the attack. And God's dealt with this, this decay on, on a, a, a micro level and, 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 a, and, a, and a, a macro level. Uh, and we know the story in Genesis of the flood. Like the, the humanity just got so out of control it says that, that God was kind of like, oh, why did I even create them? And so he sends a flood and just kind of like, start over. We see the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. Things were so uh, depraved in that city that God pretty much burns it down. And so he has dealt with this on, on numerous occasions in kind of a, a, a punishment way. But then he sends Christ because his... His ultimate goal is not to destroy everything. What God wants to see is to see everything restored. Back to uh, Genesis 1 and 2. Back to that place where, where things are just running the way he has initially created them to run before sin came into, uh, into play. And so, Christian, bless you, you are the salt the earth you have been released you have been unleashed to act as a preservative in people's lives for the kingdom this might sound a little um a little straightforward but humanity without christ is like a rotting Humanity without Christ is, is like a, a rotting corpse. And we, who Jesus considers salt, we need to be rubbed into society. We need to be rubbed into people's life. That It's just the church really being the church, the salt of the earth. It's the only thing. Christ is the only thing that's going to turn this process of rotting around we have a message, and we have the, the Holy Spirit power that changes things, that changes people's lives, that changes people's situations, that can change the entire trajectory of a person's life story. And that message and power is Jesus Christ. We have been given that power and, and the mandate to bring light into the darkness. That we would be a, a presence wherever God puts us. Whatever arena we find ourselves in. And that we would, um, with our lives, call attention to Christ. Call attention to the cross. But in that, we always have to guard ourselves against um, self-righteousness or condemnation because those people don't get it. And obviously we get it. And there's some truth in that, but that to saying it that way is, is spiritual arrogance. And so we come at this, this being salt with, with love and with grace. And we come at it with the power of the spirit that lives within each one of us. And we're called to preserve that, that God spark that is still out there. That God spark that is, is, in, is in every human being. Because every human being, no matter what they believe, 
every human being, no matter what religion they subscribe to, every human being has been made in the image of God. And so there is in every human being this, this spark of God that needs to be fanned into a flame. And that's what the church is called to do. And so we, we need Christians to live their faith, to live our faith out loud, out there. We need Christians in the military. We need Christians in business. We need Christians starting their own business. We need Christians in, in, um, in, 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 in prominent positions in businesses, presidents, CEOs, CIOs. We need men and women of faith in those places living their faith out loud because we are the salt of the earth. We need Christians in academia. We need Christians in, um, in politics. Yes, the big P word. We need men and women of faith involved in our political system. We need Christians that are musicians and painters and poets and filmmakers. And I just don't mean, you know, um, Christian musicians or a Christian artist uh, or, or just, um, you, know, you know, Christians who, uh, who write music, only worship music. We need artists to express their art through the lens of their faith. Because without having to tag Christian label on it. Because once we do that, it kind of shuts the world off. And only Christians go and tend to see it. And so we need men and women of faith to be expressing themselves in ways where the world will take notice and engage and, and, and see. I'm not talking about um, watering down faith. I'm not talking about hiding our faith. What I'm talking about is living in a way, whatever you're doing, that is pointing people to Jesus. Pointing people's lives to him. Not just to us, but to him. Not just to a church, but to him. Living in a way that, um, that invites dialogue. Living in a way that uh, people aren't afraid to come to us and ask questions. Uh, dare I say that we invite questions of doubts. And we engage those questions with a Christ-like attitude. That we would begin to influence our circles of influence for the kingdom. We are the salt of the earth and allowing our influence our influence just to push beyond what's immediately around us and impact far beyond us we are the salt of the earth now salt uh, was used for preserving but it was also used to to season uh, to add flavor Salt brings out natural flavors in food. It enhances the flavor of sweetness. It enhances the flavor of sour. It enhances, enhances the flavor uh, of a savory flavor. And what salt often does is it softens or blocks the flavor of bitterness. 
as, as Christians, we're called to bring seasoning to life. To live a life that is well seasoned in the scripture. Again, this is about living our faith out loud, out in front of the world. We have an unbelievably creative God. Just look at the world around us. Look at the things. Uh, look at the, the night sky. And, it, and if you, I mean, even if it's a secular show, you can go on and, and, and learn about the universe. There is, there is amazing things taking place out in the universe that can only possibly come to fruition by the hand of God. We have an amazingly creative God, and we have been created in God's image. And so we have been created with creativity. And we're called to use that creativity. We have the God-given ability to seasons to season people's lives with the way that we're living our own life. Are we living a life of passion? Are we living a life of excitement? And I know that we can't get there all the time, that, that you know, we get lumped up every once in a while, but overall, it, are we living with passion and excitement that God has given us yet another day to live and to love and to laugh and to share the kingdom with others? Passion, excitements, those are contagious. People, those will rub off on people. Unfortunately, so will indifference and apathy. That too will rub off on people. So the way we live our lives reflects the way people may see God. And I find it interesting that those people who may have a, a limited exposure to the church and or to Christians, they, they tend to lump us all into the same group of whatever they've experienced. And so when they're, they're watching TV and, and that, that Westboro Baptist Church comes up on, on TV and they're picketing and they're yelling and they're screaming and all of a sudden these people who don't really have a a good idea of what the church should be or what the church is, they kind of lump us all into this negative sense of, oh, all Christians must be that way. Rotten, horrible people that are, that are yelling. So I say, let's, let's live with, with a joy and a passion. Let's live with, with excitement that God has given us a life. And I understand that things are, are difficult right now and, and our country is in a really weird place right now. But that doesn't mean that we have to shrink back and hide ourselves. We can live with that same passion and that same excitement and the same joy as if everything else around us was, go, was just awesome. That we're standing on the mountaintops and all we see is unicorns, rainbows, and skittles. We would live in a way that would reprioritize our lives. That we would live in a way where we put God first. That we 
we care about our family, both immediate and, and distant. That we care about people. Remember excitement, passion, joy, service. It's contagious. It stirs apathy and indifference. I asked myself the question this week, Dennis, how are you seasoning people's lives with God? It's a good question to ask of ourselves. So salt, it can preserve. Salt, it can season. And salt also causes thirst. Can we stir up a thirst in people for living water, for healing, for grace, and we can do that without using words all of the time. It's by the way we handle and respond to, to situations. How we treat people who are different from us. How we treat people who hold different points of view or different beliefs. We can take a stand for the kingdom of God. We can take a stand for Jesus Christ. We can take a stand for the things that we believe in, and we can do it in such a way that is not always um, off-putting, not always just demeaning to people. I would say that we can do it without demeaning anyone. We can stand for the things that we believe in in ways, again, that invites people to ask questions and invites people to have a dialogue with us. And even if they're challenging us, and even if they, they have a, a, a bad attitude or poor attitude, or even if they become hostile, we don't answer in kind. We, we answer with the love of Christ. We don't have to argue. We don't have to fight. We can just speak the truth of the gospel and allow the Holy Spirit to do what the Holy Spirit is going to do. We don't have to act like a jerk or act even go go tit for tat in an argument with someone we have the truth and we present that truth in love and you know sometimes maybe that thirst isn't um taken up by the person who's come to us and, and asking us questions and dialoguing because they're just hostile and they just want to prove us wrong Maybe it's the person that's standing and watching on the side, watching how you respond to an attack on your faith, how you respond to an attack on your morality or your ethics. And they're watching. And they're wondering how you can respond with, with, with calmness or with respect or even with love. Another thing about salt is it, uh, it makes its presence known. Have you ever sat down to eat something? You know, you're at your friend's house. And they cook this amazing meal and you take one bite and you can just feel your blood pressure go up and your arteries harden because there's way too much salt. Or you take a bite and you're like, there's no flavor in this at all. It needs salt. Salt makes its presence known. And it really doesn't take 
a lot to make a difference. And I believe that it doesn't take much for us to point people to Christ as it doesn't take much for us to turn people off to Christ. But we can point them to the cross. People need to hear the the good news that we have, especially today with all of the unrest in the world. People, I I believe, people are clamoring for for peace and uh, and not to worry, and they don't want to be fearful anymore. We have that message. We have that power. We have that God, the Prince of Peace. We can continually usher in God's kingdom more and more, making it visible here on earth as it is in heaven. And so, man, we we need to be involved in the education process, in politics, in businesses, in our neighborhoods, in our families, in extended families, in, in close families. We are the salt of the earth we can preserve the God spark. We can season, to peop- season people's lives with Jesus. We can cause a thirst for the things of God. And it doesn't take, it doesn't take much. Now Jesus makes, uh, there's an interesting thing here. He says, but if the salt loses its saltiness, can a person or even a whole church lose the saltiness that God has gifted upon us? Well, I, I believe, and this is where reflection comes in, that we can all regularly uh, do some interior investigation of what's going on in our hearts with God's, uh, with God's help, with the help of the Spirit. Like, what is my life manifesting out for all to see? What do I say with my words? What are my actions when, when I don't think anybody's watching or when I'm, just, when I'm just lost in the day-to-day grind of life? How am I living it? We can ask, am I living with passion? Am I living with joy? Am I living with, with excitement? Am I approaching happiness and pleasure from a biblical worldview, or am I caught up in what the world tells me I need to be happy? Am I engaging morality and ethics from a biblical worldview, or have I gotten lost in what the world allows and says is okay? Does my compassion and love for people fall in line with the teachings of Jesus or have I limited myself to how the world has told me who to love and how to do it? Who to have compassion on and how much? And so what if, like what if, you, what if you've done that and, and you've done this interior work and you come to the conclusion, uh-oh, I lost my saltiness. Well, what Jesus says here is, a salt, salt that loses its saltiness isn't good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Those are kind of scary words, but they don't have to be. Because, well, here's what I believe Jesus is saying. 
to live your life of faith in a way that's indifferent or, um, or in apathy, it turns our Christian life and our Christian witness into something that's just, it's worthless. It's, it's not worth anything. Now, I'm not saying that you lose your salvation. Please don't confuse that. But you lose, you lose the life that Jesus came and died for. The abundant life that is available to all of us. Notice the beginning of this verse. You are the salt of the earth. What he doesn't say is, listen, if you clean yourself up, get yourself together, then maybe, maybe eventually you're going to get to be a little, a little salty. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, you are the salt of the earth. Again, I believe that Jesus believes in us way more than we believe in ourselves. He's making a statement. You are the salt of the earth. And if you find that you are not living into who you already are, that you are God's salt, you are put on this earth to, to preserve and to season and to cause thirst. If you are not living into who you already are, well, I've got news for you. We have a very gracious and forgiving God. And he wants nothing more to restore your saltiness. That you would live in a way that just pushes the darkness out and brings the light of Christ. Salt is a, from what I learned this past week, it's a very stable compound. Salt never loses its saltiness, actually, in reality. You can't take the salt out of salt. Or you can't take the flavor of salt out of salt. But it doesn't work if it's left in the salt shaker. It has to come out of that salt shaker and it has to be applied to whatever it needs to preserve or to season or to make someone thirsty. Salt in the shaker doesn't do anybody any good. Our God is a God of restoration. Our God is a God of patience and love, slow to anger. Our God is a God of nurture. Are you living into who you already are, the salt of the earth? Are you living in the power that's already been gifted to you by the Holy Spirit? I'm under, under the conviction that God's desire is to empower his people and then just to set them free to live a kingdom life. That, that, that we would uh, proclaim the good news of the kingdom, not only with our words, but with the way we live. He wants all of us to live in that power. He wants all of us to live with that kind of influence. He wants us to be his people who are not just kind of caught up in the flow of culture, but we're actually shaping the culture. You are the salt of the earth. Allow the Spirit of God to sprinkle your life out upon the lives 
of those around you, upon the, the, uh, the systems that you're engaged in, upon the, the businesses or the work or, or whatever situation you find yourself in daily, allow the Holy Spirit to pour you out so that you can preserve, so that you can season, so that you could, you could uh, draw attention, point people to his kingdom, to his son, that you would begin to live into who you already are. You are the salt of the earth. Father, thank you for this truth. And now, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would empower each and every person in this room, those who may be listening, that you would empower them by the Holy Spirit to live the life, to be the person that they already are in Christ. Thank you for your truth. We ask these things. I pray that you would seal these things in our hearts. Amen. Amen. I love you guys, and we'll see you next week.